Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Well, let me tell you something. The long knives, the long knives are out for the industrials. We are beginning to get forecasts that incorporate the impact of tariffs and slowdowns and a cooling of world trade. And the consensus seems to be that it's the end of the synchronized global economic expansion. Hence today's action with the Dow losing 196 points. S&P slipping 0.63. And the Nasdaq declining 0.88%. The house of pain. At least that's what we're being told. It's a story we got last night from Daimler, the giant automaker you know as Mercedes-Benz. It's what we're afraid we're going to hear from some of the U.S. manufacturers when they report in just a few weeks' time. It's what everybody's worried about as we approach earnings season and just, well, around the corner. But exactly what should we be worried about? Right now, I think we're in a critical readjustment period where the stock of great American industrials are being sold down to levels that actually are beginning to represent a lot of value. Let's go to the tape. I want you to first take 3M, okay? 3M is a seriously depressed stock that's made a lot of people depressed, including me. I know it had a very serious guide down when it last reported. I know it has the dreaded China exposure. I know it has that nasty, funky auto exposure where the pain point was last quarter. These are all bad. I stipulate that. Well, what's the stock done? Well, let's take a look. How about do nothing but go down? You think it didn't anticipate this? It's gone from 259 down to 195 in the last few months. It's one of the worst charts I've ever seen in a sense. It is ugly. It counts down to about 170. And can we not be glad that stocks stop at zero? Yeah, another 25 points if the company misses. And with the stock just a few bucks off its 52-week low, you know what it acts like? It acts like it is going to whiff. But you know what? We've seen many high-quality stocks like 3M, and I still think it's high-quality. Stop going down as their yields move closer and closer to 3%. 3M will be there. It comes down another 10, 10 points. And a GIF. If the stock falls all the way to 170, it'll have a 3.2% yield and sell for 16 times earnings, down 89 bucks from its high. Wasn't the time to worry here? Is this where you worry? Does that make sense? 3M is one of the best companies on earth. It has a fantastic balance sheet, a gigantic buyback, and there's no one out there I know who thinks that management's a bunch of bozos. 
So what do you do? Do you say, wait a second, the synchronized global growth trade is over, so I'm going to bolt because the chart is really bad after 20 full 60 points? Or do you say, wait a second, at this point, the stock is within 10% of being somewhat de-risked, and it's really sold off already. I mean, 3M hasn't actually been this cheap since the uh, Great Recession. Okay, though, so let's say you despise 3M with every sinew in your body. Let's say you're so angry at the stock that you're boycotting scotch tape. Then how about United Technologies? With elevators, climate controls, aerospace, what is that? Well, what that is is a natural to dump right here, right now, given that new narrative about the slowing global economy, right? But uh, looked at it another way. United Technologies is down 16 bucks from its highs. And what we expect is a breakup into three different companies when the Rockwell Collins deal finishes. That's going to unlock a tremendous amount of value. Thank you, Greg Hayes. To me, it seems precipitous to be dumping the stock now. Smart there. Dumb here. Or how about this? You think the worldwide expansion uh, is over. Don't you have to just jettison? I mean, like right now, right here, as you talk, listen to me, Dow DuPont with its impending breakup of its three companies, uh, or maybe even more companies. You get an ag company, especially materials, plastics, one from nutrition, biosciences, uh, biosciences uh, and maybe one player to be named later. I mean, look, they have the dreaded Chinese exposure. <laughs> they're, they're in Europe. <laughs> it's got to be right in the middle of the blast zone, don't you think? Or maybe not. Stocks at 65 bucks. Um, it's down 12 bucks from its high uh, when the big story was on. But it's just a few months from finalizing the breakup. And the CEO, Ed Breen, has got a proven track record of unlocking value by splitting up companies in even the worst economic times. Can the stock go to 60? Oh, sure, it can. I've got, I mean, it can go to 50. I don't know. But to throw it away now because of a stronger dollar and a general sense of gloom and the fact that the global economic expansion, which peaked here, is, uh, well, starting to be recognized, I think, would you humor me, I think it could be a mistake. I could go on and on. There are so many companies, depending on global growth, that, that have, have had their stocks crushed. Can they keep getting crushed? Of course. Am I early? Oh, most likely I'm early. Yeah, I get that. Sometimes you've got to be early to make a lot of money. But what happens if we get some compromise on world trade? What if the forecasts prove to be too conservative? What if the stocks, heaven forbid, are already beginning to reflect some of the weakness? I think you want some industrial exposure, if only because any good news on world trade anywhere in the globe could produce a stunning rally from these levels. Look, I'd rather buy stocks into weakness than into strength. That's what's got me in this business. That's what I've been doing since 1979. This morning, my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club, sold the stock of Darden. Darn. Darden, parent company of two of my favorite restaurants, Olive Garden, where, you know, I go with the cargo pants because the rolls are so good, and Capital Grill, which is across the street from me downtown. Why did we sell? Because we bought the stock in the low 80s, and today it traded at $107. It was up 13 bucks in a single session. I know there were people buying it up 13 The volume's huge, but what was I supposed to do? Can I honestly tell you that it's time to take a swing at Darden with the stock already up 20 straight points? See, I think the easy money has been made. The restaurant business can be very fickle. So you need to take profits while you still have them. Listen, I got to tell you, if the stock goes up tomorrow, and it probably will go up. That's the pattern. Well, you know what? All right, I left some on the table. I don't like hard money. You sell into strength. 
you're buying a weakness, which brings me back to the industrials. If 3M comes down another 11 bucks, I say, well, you know what? Great. That's your chance to buy it at an even lower price. Remember, you never buy all at once. You always build a position patiently on the way down. Of course, there are plenty of situations where you don't need to worry about these tougher big picture issues, and those are great too. This morning, Kroger showed us that it had reinvented itself, changing, changing up the stores, having meal kits that people love, giving you groceries where and when you want them, even offering tuition money to their associates because the management there is such, so, such fine people. The good stuff's being rolled out over time. I think CEO Rodney McMullen is going amazing. Amazing things against Amazon succeeding. I predict a slew of upgrades. That's okay. That one's okay to hold on to. It's been down a lot. And I like tech when you get weakness. This morning we learned that CEO Brian Krasanich is out at Intel because of personal stuff that you can read and hear about elsewhere. But what matters to me is that the stock is now too cheap to be ignored because at the same time they released Krasanich, they also told you that business was better than expected thanks to strong growth across all segments. Stock looks good to me. I like the bank stocks ahead of the Fed stress test results next week, which we got our first glimpse of this very evening. They look positive. When we see the official returns, I think they will trigger huge buybacks and big dividends. While the banks are largely domestic, they're confronted with an unfriendly yield curve. But you know what? That can change. Yield curves change. Let's say the Chinese decided to sell U.S. Treasuries, sell, as we sell, keep sell, hearing sell. they will, because they're certainly going to have to prop up their stock market. And then our yield curve inflex, meaning the out years see a rise in rates. That will be very good for the banks. And suddenly they'll say, why, why didn't I buy the banks when Kramer said I could buy them? So look. I know I'm early when I tell you to get ready to buy the industrials or to start picking at them now. I think you can take your time picking them into weakness. The thing is, I think you're likely to be late to the big surge in the domestics that's happened. You want to be in stocks before they turn, not after, provided they're high quality. You don't want to chase. You want to pick your prices and get discounts. Let them come to you. And you have to recognize the world as you see it, a world where commerce seems to be slowing and the industrials are going into second gear, has already started to be priced into the stocks. You think it was easy to buy Darden now at 107, uh, back at 84, knowing the chart was terrible and the yield protection might not break the fall? You think it was a layup to buy after they lowered the boom? No, because the stock was reflecting nothing but negatives. It looked like a goner, and, and you had to let it settle. Now the industrials are starting to reflect a lot of negatives. Not all of them. They can still pre-announce or say bad things. Um, there's going to be some negativity. The banks are reflecting everything bad, nothing good. That's not the time to run, though. It's the time to start buying. Not all at once. Not a stake in the ground saying, this is it. It won't go lower. That's ridiculous. But the bottom line is that you need to be ready to buy the industrials and the banks as they continue to get clobbered. And they are getting clobbered. When you get the levels where it looks like that it's all over but the shouting, when everyone else is giving up, that's when you know that your conviction will begin to pay off. Let's go to Craig in Florida. Craig. Well, that guy comes to play. You come to play, Craig. What's going on? Sunny Central Florida, home of your national champion, CF Knights, baby. Hadn't thought of that. Go ahead. Uh, Ticker W-I-N-N. Wondering about the Mohegan Sun lawsuit. Also with... uh, Oh, don't worry about that. What you got to worry about is McCall. McCall looks good. And I got to tell you, got to be a tad little worried about the fact that the management there is a little unseasoned, which is why I prefer, even though the stock is breaking down, MGM, or I prefer Las Vegas Sands. Because Steve Wynn, who was a great operator, there were some uh, transgressions there, was the guy I like to bank with. Now I'm banking with the others. John in Massachusetts. John! John? John, it's Jim. You're up. 
Hey, Jim. Hey, John. Nice to meet you. You got John and John Jr. from the Boston area. Love your show. Would love to get your insight on Lululemon. Let's get a selfie together. Jim, John Jr. here. Yeah. Um, all right, Lulu, I think I was, you know, going over to Matt Boss has been doing great work on Lulu. The stock, this is a good example. The stock is all the way up, okay? Now you got to wait till it comes back down. You can't just come in here and say, I like Lululemon because 50 points ago was when you wanted to like Lululemon. I'm going, oh, this is someone's joke, joshing with me. I'm going to Austin in Texas, Austin. Hey, Jim. Uh, I'm looking at getting into Southwest Airlines as a long-term investment after this pullback, uh, but I'm concerned that the rising oil prices... No, no, I think oil's peaking. I like you got horse sense buying Southwest right here. I think it's a good price. Oh, you know what? If you were Dallas in Texas, then I'd have to say, sell, sell, sell. But sell, you're sell, Austin sell. in Texas, and I'm a buyer of LUV. Love should no longer be for sale. The industrials in the banks are reflecting pretty much everything is bad. Not everything. They can go lower. But you start buying, not selling. Hey, do it slowly. Man Money tonight. I'm going out on a limb when it comes to moo. That's Micron. I'll tell you what I think is headed for the company. And it's a pizza chain replacing chefs with robots baking 120 pizzas per hour. Can this restaurant on wheels pave the way for the food industry as a whole? I'm going to talk with the CEO. But first, I'm eyeing an under-the-radar company in one of the se- hottest segments in the entire market. And it's up 100% year-to-date. Is there still time to get in? Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of Okta. So stick with Cream. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. A lot of groups have been struggling here. The cloud-based enterprise software stocks have been holding up pretty darn well, at least uh, re- until Red Hat tonight. It's getting shelled on some weaker guidance. But still, this is the hottest group in the market. And it's exactly the kind of industry that people like to swap into when they're worried about slowing global growth. But if these cloud stocks run too much, consider the case of Okta, a major player in the multi-factor identification space. In plain English, Okta software helps protect networks from being infiltrated by imposters. They handle everything related to your login and verification credentials. And look, business is booming. When the company reported earlier this month, it delivered some very impressive numbers, including 57% revenue growth. Okta has a great story here, but it's also a very, 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 very hot stock, uh, which is more than double year to date. At these levels, it's now selling for 16 times sales for its current fiscal year. That's incredibly expensive. So what do you do? I think it makes sense to get to know the company, see if it's justification uh, for valuations there. So let's check in with Todd McKinnon. He's the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Okta. Get a better sense of his business and why it's been so successful. Mr. McKinnon, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you for having me, Jim. It's great to be here. All right. So, Todd, you work with uh, more than 4,000 organizations, and you do some remarkable things. But I'm going to just pick a name because everybody knows it, and you tell us what you do for them. Everyone's kind of flown JetBlue. They like it. So what's Okta doing with JetBlue? I've never heard of them, actually. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I heard of them. Yeah, it's great. Uh, You mentioned earlier in the intro, uh, one one of our products is multi-factor authentication. And it's an important aspect of what we do, but really what we do is um, 
we enable technology for these, for these companies. So the JetBlue example is their business challenge is that they need to build a better website experience for their loyalty members. So if you fly JetBlue Airlines, you want to log in to their um, TrueBlue loyalty program, you need to do that easily and securely. And we help them do that. We make the experience, um, a piece of that website, be very easy to log into and uh, very secure in the experience doing that. At the same time, we do want privacy. We don't want to get uh, anyone being us. Uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, I can't imagine them, some organization in the government that you want to have uh, be more confidential data with. You've got that contract. So uh, how does that work? Yeah, same, same concept. Uh, like, you know, it's not just uh, the transportation industry like JetBlue. It's um, every industry wants to have a closer connection with their uh, users, their, you know, their customers, and do that online with mobile apps. And, and for um, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, it's the same thing. It's, it's security and login for their web properties. Well, well, tell me, I mean, for instance, you have a partnership with VMware. We've liked VMware on the show. Uh, it, obviously, they try to onboard people to the web, to the cloud. Um, how do yeah. I know that you can't stop someone from being me and getting in and getting everything I have? Yeah, well, uh, the partnership with VMware is, is very important for a different part of our business, which is employee identity. So employees come to work, and they usually it's from a company-owned machine, or maybe it's their own mobile phone, but they need to be accurately identified, and not only identified in an easy-to-use manner, but they actually have to be connected to the right applications. And our partnership with VMware helps us really, from the end device and the specifics of a certain phone or computer they're logging in from, all the way up to the cloud or any other application, make sure that experience is end-to-end -end and secure and complete. Okay, now I know you've got some good customers, but the most, the most of them I do believe are not gigantic. Uh, you need more penetration. I was thinking the Fortune 500, but let me ask you something. What happens if Sachin Nadella watches the show right now? He sees this guy, Todd McKinnon, he sees Okta, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to crush Okta. What can you do? Well, I think the, the big advantage that our approach has against someone like Microsoft is that we're, we don't have a, a horse in the race in terms of which applications or which operating systems or which type of computer our customers use. So we connect to everything. So Microsoft is going to be inherently biased toward the Microsoft stack, Azure in the server, on the cloud, Windows server, um, Windows on the device, Office 365 in the app. And anytime you go out of that, the choice is limited. And we're all about choice and, and neutrality and letting customers choose the best technology for their company. And I think Microsoft has a has a little bit of a different bias. Well, I know that uh, similar situations, Palo Alto Networks, and they are a partner of yours. They've been uh, friends of the show. Well, Mark McLaughlin is now retired. But uh, do they install you or do you use Palo Alto together with them? How does that partnership work? Yeah, it's 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 really important to us, actually. They're, they're a leader in next generation firewall and a security platform from the network centric layer where our point of, we start with the identity. So the, the actual, who the person is, regardless of whether they want to get to a network or an application or a device. So by combining these two together, you can get this complete end solution, which is everything from your firewall all the way down to your individual applications and beyond, you get that complete solution. So you see this play up in, in a lot of these partnerships we've talked about, which is we're about partnering with everyone from VMware to Palo Alto, um, to, uh, we recently announced a partnership with Facebook. So we, what, we connect to everything in the customer's ecosystem and enabling that choice and enabling that flexibility to let them use all of that technology that we connect to to achieve the right business objectives for them. 
Well, it sounds like you got a great business model. Obviously, the stock has been red hot. I want to thank you, Todd McKinnon. Todd is the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Okta, a red hot stock. I need you to get comfortable with it before you would do some buying. Mad Money's back after the break. I know the buzz is all about Brian Krasanich's surprise departure from Intel because of personal transgressions. But this is mad money, not mad prurient interest. So I want to focus on a different semiconductor company tonight. Let's talk about the stock of Micron. Micron just reported just a fantastic quarter last night, but it's one that didn't get the respect it deserves as the stock finished up less than 50 cents today. This maker of DRAMs and flash memory chips is going to earn $3.30 per share. $3.30 per share. What would you pay for that $3.30 given that Micron's products are a lot less commoditized than they used to be with exposure to all sorts of devices beyond personal computers? How much more is that earnings power worth to you if it's coming from the most complicated cell phones or the amazing data centers that support the cloud and artificial intelligence? Throw in a better balance sheet than I've ever seen from Micron with more than $2.2 billion in free cash flow and $2 billion in gross debt reduction with another $2 billion pay down next quarter. Plus, there's a $10 billion buyback in beginning in three months, which is a huge event for a $68 billion company. Would you pay 15 times for that $3.30? How about 20 times those earnings? If I throw in that several of the competitors are having a much harder time making their chips as Micron is now a superior manufacturer, that make it easier? Those sound like reasonable price earnings multiples when you consider the growth rate and the shortage of high-quality semiconductor machinery, right? But wait, there's more. Here's the twist. Micron isn't going to earn $3.30 a share this year. It's going to earn $3.30 next quarter. Yep, Micron could actually earn $12.50 a share for its calendar year. That means it sells at an astounding low 4.7 times earnings, the lowest, cheapest stock in the S&P 500. What is wrong with this picture? First, in the conference call, the analysts, almost to a person, expressed tremendous skepticism about Micron's end markets. They still seem to believe that what matters is the personal computer, long the dominant end market, and one that's perceived as having no growth. Forget that HP Inc., one of our faves, just put through another buyback that could amount to more than 10% of its shares, precisely because the PC business is so strong. The PC ain't bad, but all of Micron's other businesses are growing much faster. Second, the analysts are all waiting for the two larger competitors, Samsung and SK Hynix, to flood the world with DRAMs because these memory chips are regarded as total commodities. Yet Micron took pains to say over and over again that its chips are anything but commodities now. They, they said they're solutions. That seems to fall on deaf ears. The analysts figure that Samsung and SK Hynix, uh, they will solve any manufacturing problem they have with DRAMs this very year. Plus, the other big component of Micron's business, flash memory, has seen its pricing under pressure, unlike DRAMs, for most of this year. So these analysts collectively believe that next year will be a down year for Micron, hence the incredible shrinking price-to-earnings multiple. Remember, no analyst will ever feel comfortable pushing a stock if they think the earnings are going to shrink next year. So the majority of the analysts seem to want to jump ship any second rather than later. Hence why the stock fell a dollar and a half on the instant analysis right when it reported, although it only rallied after the conference call last night. The problem is that 19 out of 25 analysts who follow Micron, they have buys on it. And that's a precarious situation. If any of those bulls feels like DRAM pricing is about to fall thanks to overcapacity, they'll downgrade. Because if the earnings estimates need to come down, this stock will end up looking very expensive, not very cheap. Me? I'm a believer. I follow Mickey Dolan's on on, uh, Twitter. 
Uh, I think the growth here is secular, not cyclical. The difficulties of productions represent real barriers to entry, not gateways to hell. And the buyback and cash generation are significant, not illusory. After the conference call, I felt very alone. Seems like everyone else is skeptical. I think you had a lot of nervous longs on the call, and they'll keep putting pressure on this stock. I bet they're wrong. If anything, I think the earnings estimates will prove to be too low. I'm out on a limb here. And I know it's especially difficult after Cloud King Red Hat gave weak guidance this evening. It's going to send all of technology down tomorrow. But with $3.30 in earnings power this next quarter, I think it's worth the risk. Let's go to Jeff in Idaho. Jeff. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Hey, thank you for all that you do for us. And my call is regarding LAM research. Many of the chip stocks like NVIDIA, Intel, AMD, Micron have all been moving up lately. LAM, which is Still projecting strong EPS and revenue growth while posting a nice dividend of 2.5% is going down. And I'm wondering why. Well, it's going down because there's a belief uh, that was stoked actually by Applied Materials, which is a competitor, that business may not be as strong going forward as it has been in the past. And no one is going to sit there and buy lamb if they said if Applied Materials said some negative things. They're just regarded as being too joined at the hip, even if we think they shouldn't be. Let's go to David in Massachusetts, please. David. Hey, Kramer, what's going on? Not much. How about you? question for you uh, regarding SAP. So Oracle just came out and said that they're not going to report on uh, cloud growth. Right. Um, seems a little, uh, a little sketchy, but um, where does that position SAP? Um, SAP is a charm stock. SAP is a charm. I mean, look. Everyone seems like in the hedge fund game has tried one time or another to short the stock or bet against SAP. It's been a real sucker bet. I'm not betting against SAP. I think it's fine. Or I'm going out on a limb. I'm a believer in Micron. I wouldn't leave it right now. Much more mad money head. I'm throwing a pizza party with my closest robot friends. Yeah, I'm co-roboting. You're not going to want to miss this, or a co-botting, I guess. Then in a volatile market, your best defense is a diversified portfolio. So what... Do you have what it takes? I'll be the judge of that when we play M.I. Diversify. And all you calls, round five. The lightning round. So stick with Kramer. With a tap of your phone, the machines come to life. And big data meets fast delivery. Can this new tech twist on a hungry old favorite deliver Zoom Inc. a bigger piece of the pie? Everybody loves pizza, in part because it's very hard to screw up a pizza. I mean, even bad pizza still tastes good. But what if there was a better way to make and deliver pizza to you? Turns out there is, which brings me to Zoom Inc., a Silicon Valley-based startup that's trying to bring this industry into the modern era. They're best known for introducing robots into the production process for everything from uh, spreading the tomato sauce evenly to taking pizzas in and out of the oven and slicing it perfectly. Basically, robots do all sorts of the highly repetitive tasks while humans help with putting together the actual recipe, they taste it. Think about it. We automate everything else. Why not pizza? Zoom system allows them to fill orders quickly to the point where they've reduced their delivery times to somewhere between 5 and 20 minutes after customer order online. Can you imagine a five-minute pizza that's actually good? Their headquarters is basically a big pizza factory. Too bad this concept is still just in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I think it is a very intriguing idea. Even if it's still 
in its early stages. So let's take a closer look with Alex Garden. He's the chairman and CEO of Zoom, Inc., to learn more about this exciting concept. Mr. Garden, welcome to Bad Money. Good to see you, sir. Tim, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Alex. Okay, Alex, people don't know it here, but I want you to talk about the not evolution, but revolution of the Zoom pizza. Sir, so listen, uh, two and a half years ago, we started thinking about how we were going to uh, start with a clean piece of paper to introduce better margins, better health outcomes for customers, and faster delivery. And uh, we looked all over the world. We couldn't find any logistics infrastructure that made that possible. So we started with these incredible bake-on-the-way trucks. They're actually the first bake of their kind. Bake on the way. Bake on the way. First of their kind in the world. They're not parcel trucks. They're not food trucks. They're food delivery vehicles. And if you think about the huge explosion in scenarios that food companies are trying to address today, this is the key to making it Automated all Automated restaurant on wheels with great taste. Yeah, we always say to people, it's like a restaurant with a rubber foundation. Now, uh, you're putting together a dream team of people, so obviously you are thinking, even though it's right in the Bay Area, yep. that this could be very big. Sure. So, look, I mean, this is one of the most complicated things anyone's ever attempted before. We've got artificial intelligence, we've got logistics networks, we've got positioning, robotics, automation. I could go on. And uh, tackling a domain that, 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 that big is just impossible without the best team in the world. So we've got senior leaders like Chris Satchel, who joined us from uh, Chief Product Officer at Comcast. Right. Kira Droyan, who joined us from the Associate General Counsel at Starbucks. Ron Storn, head of people at Lyft. I could go on. Absolute dream team of people. And, and, and the maker beginning. of the uh, ovens? Uh, so, you know, big fan, uh, well-built. Uh, you guys have had... We love. Right? You had Hubertus on a few weeks ago. Uh, so we looked all over the world trying to find an appliance partner who thought like we did, right? Found well-built uh, after an exhaustive search. And uh, not only uh, are they making the equipment in these trucks for us, uh, they're going exclusive. They're making everything any restaurant in the country could need. And the best thing about these guys is they move like a Silicon Valley company. They're doing things for us in three months that would take three years if we talked to anybody else. All right, well, how many pizzas could uh, I could expect out of a Zoom truck in a day. Okay, so look, these trucks operate in three different modes. Let me walk you through it. Mode one, low times between lunch and dinner. You know all about that. They're making the deliveries themselves. When we get really busy, we use AI. We figure out, hey, what's the logical center of these orders? We go into a forward deployment. And then forward deployment, this truck, one person, 120 pizzas an hour. And then it gets better. This is the apron. This opens up. you got a cubby system in there. Walk up orders. Wow. Okay, so would, uh, just, just give me a, a sense that how many people need do you need versus before a well-built automated? Yep. And tell me what jobs are, you know, because some people would say, well, you're taking away jobs, but, there's some, but not every job is a great job. This is the key point here. Not every job's a great job. So look, if you own 10 restaurants, you got 10 people working in each restaurant, you got 100 people. Right. All right. In the Zoom model, you got a high-speed, cobotic commissary. Cobotic. Cobotic. People and robots working together. We pay those people great salaries, they get full benefits, they got great job uh, prospects. When we automate a task, boring, dangerous, repetitive task, we promote that person. We don't get rid of them. All right, so you got a commissary, say you got 15 people working in there, huge volume. Every one of these trucks, say one truck for every restaurant, 10 people, you got 25 people. So you're getting the same economic throughput, better jobs, a tiny fraction of the labor. And listen, we talked about this right now for the first time in 20 years, more job openings than jobless people in the U.S. Someone's got to solve this problem. All right. Oh, well, I got to tell you, I want the New York franchise. What happens? Uh, so it's not a franchise. So Zoom Pizza, we worked real hard to get all the basics right. We're just starting to scale the business. We got three trade areas going in San Francisco, going to 26 by the end of this fiscal. But I got good news. What? So we've announced this is a platform. All the technology we built for Zoom Pizza is now available to any grocer, convenience player, QSR in the country. And I'll tell you something, 
you guys kicked it off. Hubertus was on TV. I have been on the road nonstop for the last three weeks talking to CEOs and senior executives and some of the biggest companies in the world. You know these guys. They're telling me, look, we don't have solutions to these problems. This is what we've been looking for. Well, Alex Gordon, you have got one great idea. I've got to tell you, I think it's real. It's not an idea. It's a business. Alex Gordon is the chairman CEO of Zoom, Inc. I was inside earlier. I got to tell you, this works for me. Mad Money's back in for the break. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! Come to And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate daddy! Time for the lightning round! Come to start with Steven in North Carolina. Steven. Hey, Jim. Yes, my question is in regards to VF Corporation. You know, in the past 16 months, VF stock price has risen some 75%. From 48 bucks to a recent high of $85. And most of the VF's brands have done quite well this past year, except for those in the jeans wear division. Right. But, now, you know, look, VF's look, it's a high-quality company. It's been a red-hot stock. Uh, I think you can stay red-hot, but we got to be aware that this stock, has much of its move has probably occurred already. Let's go to George in New Jersey, please. George. Dr. Kramer. A Bay Ridge, Brooklyn booyah all the way from New Jersey. Man, not far from me. What's going on? Hey, I'm a first-time caller, but I watch your show every day because I think it's the most relevant show on television. Thank you. And I also follow you guys on Action Alerts Plus. You got a great team Yes, thank, thank you, you so much for being a club member. I hope to talk to you uh, uh, and do some stuff with you for the club. What's up? Uh, my question is on uh, Store Capital, symbol STOR. has a good yield, but it trades at a high multiple. And uh, Yeah, look, I mean, I think you got to go at this point. At this point, you know, after the ruling by the uh, by the Supreme Court, you know, it kind of gave brick and mortar a little push. I still have to go with Federal Realty. If I want to do real estate and I want to do more or shopping center, I'm going to go with Don Wood Federal Realty. Let's go to Jerry in Missouri. Jerry. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I am a member of Action Alert Plus. Thank you. Based on the early June analysis that it had bottomed, I purchased a large position of this stock with a cost basis of $89.20. Do you feel good about the $130 price target on Simorex? We had a very nice upgrade in Simorex just today. It's the second one we've had in 10 days. And I think that says loud thing. Thank you for being on the conference call for ActionLearnsPlus.com where I said it's done. It's ridiculous. The stock is exactly was below where it was when oil was $26. I think you did the right thing. I think the stock goes higher. We do have an OPEC meeting, but I like it. Alana in South Carolina. Alana. Hi, Jim. How you doing? I am doing good. How about you, Alana? Great. I enjoy your program so much. Thank I appreciate you. all your hard work and valuable info. Thank um, you. My my stock is Wheaton Precious Metals, WPM. I own it. Should I hold it? I like it? having 10% of your portfolio in some sort of a gold or a hedge against inflation. I think that's fine. Let's go to Jim in the Illini. Jim. Jimbo, a big Chicago Cubs booyah to you. Like My Cubs, question is on Kraft Heinz. Right now, uh, Kraft Heinz has just moved up very quickly, but I do think with rates going down, the stock still has some upside. I don't want you to. I want you at 64.5 to sell, sell it sell. though, because I still need some growth. I need to go to Adelaide, Alabama. Adelaide. Kramer, thank you for all you do for the home gamer universe. Ah, uh, you're very I'm kind. Th- 
you, we appreciate you so much. Thank Listen, you. I'm thinking about the biotech sector. What about Bluebird Bio? No, I'll see you at Bluebird Bio and I'll raise you Regeneron, which I think is doing far better. Len Schlein for doing a good job. The stock is down so big from the top, I want to be there. Let's go to Owen in Pennsylvania. Owen. Yes, sir. Blue from Pennsylvania, my friend. All right. Okay, first Commonwealth Finance bought a boat load at seven fifty, bought another truck load at eight fifty. It's sitting at sixteen nineteen today. Is this an anchor or is this a float away? And what was the stock? Oh no, 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 no. It's time to ring the register. You know, there's so many banks that are way, 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 way down. I think you take the money off this regional and put it in others. Let's go to Lynn in North Carolina. Lynn. Hi, Jim. Hi, Lynn. Glad to hear from you. Uh, I'm calling about air products and chemicals. Right, air products uh, is exactly what I talked about at the top of the show. People decide they don't want the industrials anymore. They're throwing them all away. I think the stock is closer to a bottom than a top. So therefore, I'm going to say start buying and that. Ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Look, I know it can be hard to focus on your portfolio or watching football on Telemundo, but you know what? A day like today when we see a lot of the great American industrials going down, uh, we realize just how important diversification is. So if your portfolio is too heavy in a sector that's fallen off, It could be tomorrow with the cloud kings, okay? Maybe the pain's going to be too much to handle. And that's why I'm always telling you not to keep all your eggs in one basket. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough. Maybe you need to mix it up a little, make some sales, do some fun. Well, first we've got uh, Benny on Twitter, and he says, Jim Cramer, am I diversified? Hashtag all that stuff. Twitter, Amazon, NVIDIA, Bank of America, and Square. Do I have too much at Jack? I am followed by Jack Dorsey's father, just for the record. All right. Yeah, you do have way too much, Jack, frankly. I'm wanting, I would have said you, you don't know Jack, but I am not that kind of guy. All right. Twitter we can keep. We can't keep Square. It's moved up too much. We're going to buy a healthcare company right there. Uh, well, why don't we just use Merck for a second, okay? NVIDIA, well, holy cow, that's graphics chips. That's going to be linked. It's going to trade, believe it or not, with Amazon. I like them both, but Chapel Trust owns it. So, but we're going to do, uh, Bank of America is a bank. What we'll do, obviously, uh, what we'll do is we'll take and, wow. All right, I'm going to allow NVIDIA and Amazon. I'm going to rethink. We're going to take Twitter out. They're both too hot. We'll put in Merck here. And right here we're going to put in, because I mentioned earlier in the show, it's being incredibly cheap, 3M. Don't buy it all at once because the stock is going lower. And then I'll feel better. Let's go to Betsy in California. Betsy. Jimmy. Betsy. And booyah to you. Booyah to you right back. Um, Jimmy, I really want to thank you because three of my five stocks, are the subscription model that you talked about, and all of them are up big. There you go. Love that. Let's hear them. Love it. The first one is MTN Vale Resort. Right. And if you took a husband and wife and two kids, it would cost you 2736 bucks a year, and God doesn't make any new mountains. There you go. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right about that, that concept. Go ahead. The second one is Dexcom. Okay. The yeah, we know decks come well. Yep. The pads have to be replaced every 10 days. So right. basically 480 bucks a year. And Tandem, which you also mentioned positively, 
is going to be using Dexcom to promote their new FDA-approved We like Dexcom a lot. Okay. I know. The next one is another subscription from Jim, and it's Weight Watchers. Great, great story. Right. And that one, if you get coaching, you're into them for like five and six hundred a year. Okay. Um, and then I have, um, I also have um, one, two, three, four. And my last one, Jim, is Moellis. Right. Moellis. Ken Moellis' firm uh, was downgraded this morning. I, I, I didn't really get the reason why it was downgraded, but it was downgraded. Uh, what's your fifth? Yeah, Jim. Jim, you know yeah. what? They were downgraded by Morgan Stanley, and Morgan Stanley would kill to have Ken's returns. There you go. What's the fifth stock? Um, one, two, three, four. And then uh, Mountain Dexcom, Micron. Micron, Simu Moo. I'm all over it. Let's go to work here. Okay. Uh, Weight Watchers, as, uh, as, as she said, fantastic subscription model. Uh, Molas, they do a terrific job. That's right. The downgrade didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. We do like experiential vacations, and that's Vale. Micron seems way too cheap at four times, seven times earnings. And Dexcom, yes, gluc- glucose monitor. We got healthcare. We got semiconductor. We have experiential economy. We've got a subscription business, and we've got a very, very good investment bank. And what can I say? I think we should go to the South. I think we should go to Amanda in Louisiana. Amanda! Booyah, Jim! Booyah. Hey, uh, thank you for your mentorship, Jim. I love your show. This is my third time calling. Jim, I'm 45. Here's my portfolio. Canopy Growth Corporation, IQ, MasterCard, Teladoc, Twitter, Am I diversified? Oh, boy. We have, I have to tell you, I'm going to just make a sweeping generalization. There's way too much beta, as we call it. There's way too, you got a lot of stocks here that are going to fluctuate up and down. So understand, this is not as a blue chip portfolio as I like to see. IQ being typical. This is an Asian company that's been shot out of Canon. I'm getting nervous about it. Teladoc, we had them on. I like the technology. Good speculative stock. MasterCard, Ajabanga doing a fantastic job there. Twitter, we threw it out the other day, but that's okay in this portfolio because it's not going to conflict. And Canopy Growth, we had them on. I, look, I got to tell you, the pot stocks are right. We know Canada. I've just approved, and that stock's been hot. So we've got pot. What else am I going to call it? Okay. We've got a, a Chinese stock. We've got um, medical technology, we have financial technology, and we've got a uh, social media company, and I'm going to bless this as long as you understand that this is a lot of high risk in a portfolio. Let's go to Bob in my home state of New Jersey. Bob! Thank you for taking my call, Jim. Of course, of course. Am I diversified? All right, let's check it out. I've got Boeing, Apple, Fortinet, NVIDIA, and General Electric. All right, here we go. Okay, Boeing is aerospace, Apple technology, Fortinet. All right, well, this is cybersecurity. Right now, we're going to be okay. No, we're not going to be okay because we got NVIDIA, which is graphical chips. We can have we can have Apple and NVIDIA. I'll allow that, but not a third one, Fortinet. We're going to put in a GE, of course, manufacturing. And we're going to put in, we'll use Merck again because I'm trying to come up with a genetic healthcare company just to be able to reduce the tech risk. Guys, all these portfolios have a little too much risk 
risk for my taste. Let's get a little more conservative, get some dividends in there, and I'll feel better. Stick with Kramer. Bittersweet day here from the Mad Money family. We bid farewell and good luck to Abby Stevenson. She has joined the Peace Corps and she's moving to Botswana. We are humbled. She is all heart. We are proud to know her. We will miss her very, very much. Okay, tomorrow we're going to have selling. Why? Because Red Hat, one of our cloud kings, cut the forecast. I don't think it's as bad as the stock indicates, but understand that there's going to be tech gloom to go with the industrial gloom. And I just say sometimes you got to tough it out. That's the best thing to do. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.